It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. It's the first one of February and the final one focused on the class of 2022. He's Ryan Snyder, the recruiting expert for Blue White Illustrated. I'm Greg Pickle. Ryan, it's hard to believe that the class of 2022 is about to finally wrap up with the way everything went between not being able to take visits and then a rush of visits this summer. It was definitely one of the more unique classes either one of us has ever covered. But here we are. The final week of February is here. The traditional sign day is here and I think let's start there before we get into some of the news notes and analysis related to this class Penn State's recent junior day and everything else there was a time not too terribly long ago when this podcast would have been jam-packed with uh, announcements and surprises and things that could happen and recapping official visits and so on and so forth and obviously with the addition of the early signing period which was put in place in December a few years ago it's no longer the case. We do have one announcement we're going to get to, one expected signing otherwise that we're going to get to, but for the most part, this day has become a bit of a blip on the radar. There's a few top prospects every year who wait until now to decide, but by and large, it is not anywhere even remotely close to the event that it used to be, and I want to start there. Should it be that way? Should the early signing period stay intact? There's been a lot of discussion across the sport about how it it. it hurries up, for lack of a better word, the coaching, hiring, and firing cycle, and it puts a big kind of rush at the end of the regular season, and it kind of messes with bowl season. So where do you stand on it at this point as we wrap up, you know, a handful of cycles now with it in the uh, midst of the recruiting world? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'll start with this. I mean, there's five guys in the top 50 uh, for on three who are still uncommitted. Uh, if I go through it here, I'm sure I could find a, a couple more um yeah, i'm looking good nope not through 75 um yeah six uh so let's see six six guys out of the top 100 who are still uncommitted right so that's that's a pretty uh uh non-drama day i don't know how to put <laughs> way to put it there but uh yeah this used to be a, a big deal uh and and now february the first Fe- first wednesday in february is pretty uh boring i guess is a good way to put it now that's a good thing for penn state and i think a lot of schools want it that way but part of me really kind of thinks that we need to scrap the early signing period or at least scrap when it is you know i was always kind of in favor for something in in august and and you know obviously you got to give the guys an out if a head coach leaves or something like that you can't i don't think you could give them an out if if you had assistant coaches leave because i think that opens up massive uh, issues down the road, but maybe just, you know, you allow somebody to sign in August and if a co- head coach and the whole staff changes, uh, you allow them to get out. Um, but I, I don't know what the answer is, but to me, uh, December 15th or whatever it was is not the answer. We, we've seen how it impacts coaching moves now and it's just not a terrible time. And there's been so much discussion about how we need to redo the college football calendar, right? Um, whether it's, you know, announcing, uh, conference games a little later in the year or just just taking the NFL model, right, and, and making sure that college football is in the news 12 months out of the year uh, and, and throwing signing day now right between bowl games and after conference 
um, championship games is, is kind of silly looking back. So now that we know uh, the, the negatives of that, I, I do kind of think that we need to rethink this. Uh, and of course, I didn't even hit on the transfer portal, right? Which is which is probably the main reason to to change it now. So to me, you know, when you look at yeah you know, the how schools are scattered uh, to start their spring semester, to me, I, I think really the best way to do this now would would be to scrap the early signing period and and move signing day back. Really, not even the first Wednesday in February, but probably make it the end of February or you know even the first week in March. I, I wouldn't be opposed to or first week, not weekend, but. Uh, I, I just I, I definitely feel like change is coming. I think there's enough coaches out there who dislike this. I've talked to enough people now who uh, I know December is is unnecessarily hectic, I guess right. is, the, is the way to put it, uh, especially considering it's only like a six, seven week gap here. So if you want to have an early signing period, I think there is a way to do it in the summer. I do believe there is a way to, to get that done. But to me, I, I don't I don't see enough momentum behind that to, to think that that's going to come. I think they're just going to scrap this thing and, and go back. Now, whether that's this year or next year, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I do think it's coming. What would you say about an early signing day in middle of January, right before the contact period starts? So you have that dead period in the beginning of January. What if you move the early signing period to then and then do what you're saying with the traditional signing day and move it back to either late February or early March? Would that alleviate anything? Would that solve anything? Or would it just give us two more days of uh, targets for these schools to hit? I mean, I think ultimately the root of the issue here is the transfer portal, Portal. but it's also coach movement. As we sit mm-hmm. here and talk on February 1st, Jim Harbaugh is now in like week four, it feels like. It's not been that long, but he's in mm-hmm. week four of flirting with NFL possibilities. And there's reports out, of course, that the Vikings are one of the teams that have talked to him. And obviously, depending on when you're listening to this and how fast the news cycle works, uh, that may change in one direction or the other. That's not really the point, though. The news of his decision is not the point. The point is, is that even with the traditional signing day, you have kids who are signing and kids who are even enrolled already who may now be playing for possibly a head coach that they did not commit to and for that head coach coaching players that he's never recruited before in all likelihood so it is just an interesting situation I don't know how you get around it I don't know how you completely alleviate all the problems and all of the possible obstacles and challenges that come with recruiting and there's some that are just inherently built in and you're not going to get rid of them but I think to your point Ryan there seems to be enough momentum at this point that I just don't know how much longer we're going to have this December signing day it just seems to me Mm -hmm. that I think we'll probably have it for the class of 2023. I don't think they're going to change it for because number one, they don't move fast enough typically. The NCAA, well, the calendar set too. Schools, right? So they don't. Even if they wanted to for this class, I don't see how they could do it fast enough. But uh, class of 2024, I think it's certainly something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, moving it to January, I just, I just think that the the big issue remains transfer portal right. and, and not having that figured out. And I think if you Obviously, I don't talk to coaches all across the country. I do. I do talk to. There is a couple coaches I talk to that aren't on Penn State staff, and and what I would say is I, I do feel like there's a unanimous uh, belief behind them that the portal is the big issue, and until you have that whole situation figured out, it's really hard uh, to project and and really know exactly what your needs are. So to me, you can sign a handful of guys in, in you know before the season starts, who you know are locked in. You know the Bo Prabulas of the world. Um, and I do also feel like 
if you moved it to August or sometime before the season, even beginning of September, whatever it is, um, I do think that would a lot of guys would probably hold off. But but then you just get that peer, you know, that not peer pressure, but that pressure from coaches to sign, and you know that's when you bring in a whole another dynamic. Uh, so. I just think the the real answer is to get rid of it. Yeah. The only thing I would say about that is the December – the idea of the December signing period was to give kids who were dead set on the school that they wanted to go to an opportunity to sign before the traditional signing day and the crush of January travel for coaches – well, if that's the idea, then moving it to August would even seem to better serve, better suit, rather, that goal of giving kids yeah. a way to say, hey, look, I'm a senior, I'm going to Penn State, I'm going to Ohio State, I'm going to Michigan. No, I do not want you uh, coming to my school on Wednesday when it's our install day and you're watching practice, and I'm not committed to you, and I'm not going to be committed to you. So to me, mm-hmm. I think that would serve that purpose even better, but at the same time, you would probably just end up, you're right, with a bunch of kids just skipping that opportunity and waiting until February anyway. It's never going to be perfect. The transfer portal is never going to be fully figured out, I don't think. And if it is, uh, I just don't see how that's possible. The the problems here, you mentioned it a moment ago, as much as it's coach movement and as as much of it's player movement, it's also the, and you're never going to solve this, the inconsistencies across the country with when the spring semester starts. And Mm -hmm. then you have guys like Caleb Williams who – seemingly have had all the time in the world to get somewhere for spring practice. It doesn't appear that's going to happen at this point. And so the players obviously hold a lot of these cards too, no matter how you legislate it and how you work it out. So to me, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what James Franklin and what Sandy Barber push for as members of two of the biggest uh, organizations, the uh, Football Oversight Committee, which is under the NCAA's uh, purview, of course, uh, and Sandy Barber's the chair of that. And then James Franklin's on the board of the American Football Coaches Association, which, to the best of my knowledge, can't necessarily create legislation, but it can certainly push uh, with a lot of weight in the direction that its membership wants to go. So we'll see what they push for. But, you know, when we got the chance to talk to Sandy Barber, Ryan, in Florida prior to the, uh, the bowl game, the Outback Bowl, she had said that that was was one of the things that was on their list of talking points Mm -hmm. is this calendar and how do you fix it and how do you make it so that you're not just moving a choke point or you're not just changing you know let's just say december is unnecessarily busy how do you do it so you actually alleviate that problem a bit and not just make another month unnecessarily busy so that's right and that's basically where we're at at this point i think that's the only way man one of us has to ask james this tomorrow right I mean, I think, I mean, this today, is if we're listening to it today, talk. yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we, we have access <laughs> today's Tuesday, February one. We have access to Franklin uh, tomorrow on signing day. And uh, whether it's us or one of our colleagues on the beat, I think we need to ask this question and just kind of get his thoughts. I think he are, I think I already know his thoughts. I think he right. does want things to be changed. Uh, I, I'm sure he's talked about it at some point. Um, I faintly kind of remember him talking about it at one point, but uh, you know, especially after this coaching uh, carousel over this maybe past the craziest year and, we've and ever had i think it's probably exactly. fair to say yeah yeah so it'll be a good topic to discuss but uh yeah i, I just to me man i, I think we got to scrap this thing i've always was in favor of an early signing period uh I, you know back to when i was younger and and you know before we had this thing and then now that we've seen uh, how it plays out or at least the december one it's got to go It's one of James Franklin's biggest talking points is that when things change, the unintended consequences that come with it Mm -hmm. are oftentimes overlooked and maybe not realized until a few years of experiencing them. And I think this is certainly one of those instances of that being the case. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. I don't know how much else to say. 
All right, it's the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. We're going to roll into some traditional signing day talk now. Penn State with one target left on the board, one target it has been uh, has commit a uh, commitment from for quite some time, and it's expecting to sign. Let's start there. Tyrese Mills, Lackawanna College, the latest Falcon to pick Penn State. He did not sign during the early signing period. He had some things to shore up at Lackawanna. It seems like as far as you've reported at Blue White Illustrated, and remember, you can sign up for just $1 for one year of access to insider notes just like what we're about to talk about here you've been reporting this on the lion's den premium message board but all signs seem to be pointing in a good place for tyrese mills to be able to join penn state uh, a little bit later this year yeah the whole the whole issue they he needed to get things worked out in the fall and and from what i understand he did uh, or at least they feel good enough about it um i'm not saying that uh he doesn't have to finish strong here for this spring semester uh, of course he would enroll uh in, in may uh, but the, the the thought was that they saw enough progress from him in the fall that they feel comfortable signing him now. Uh, of course, with the way the initial counter rule works now, if you were to sign him uh, tomorrow or February 2nd, we'll say, uh, and then, of course, he doesn't become eligible, that scholarship will count against Penn State. And that was a, a rule the NSA put into place a few years back to um, – counter over signing which was always now is that for just time. the next season or is that for what yes. would be okay just the next one season because yeah. they're all okay. one-year scholarships right, you know right. I mean? if, if they there is a full four-year scholarship now but none of these schools seem to be offering it it's all just a one-year so right. it would just be it would just be a one-year thing but uh penn state doesn't want that no school wants that right of every scholarship is incredibly valuable uh so that was the hesitation on why he didn't sign in december and uh you know, from everything I was told that they saw enough from him in the fall that uh, and, you know, of course, he, he knows he still has to finish strong. But, uh, you know, he, he understands what's ahead of him. And Penn State uh, seems to to feel good enough that uh, they're going to sign him. So as of uh, Tuesday, I'm expecting him to sign tomorrow and uh, we, we may get another one, too. But, uh, Greg, you, you've been talking to Vega more than I have, man. What's what's kind of your thoughts on him? So he's interesting because he has done probably more interviews with us and other recruiting media services in the last like two weeks than he's probably done throughout the uh, duration of his career. And if you're just getting up to speed here and I apologize to him and his family because we're still not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. We've been going with Vega, Vega Ione, but I, I'm not sure if that is correct. Anyway, three-star recruit out of the state of Washington was committed to the Huskies until almost uh, the initial, the early signing period. Mm-hmm. Backed away from that pledge as Washington underwent the coaching change that got rid of Jimmy Lake and John Donovan and co. and brought Kalen DeBoer in to be the head coach of the Pac-12 program. They kept their offensive line coach, Scott Huff, which was a really big deal, I think to this three-star offensive lineman. That, that's kept them basically in play here. Washington hosted him two weekends ago. Penn State hosted him this past weekend. My thought at this point is a pretty straightforward one. It's, I think Penn State really impressed him. It's just a matter of, did they do it too late? And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, the kid was solidly committed to Washington. I think made a wise choice to take a look at his options uh, when Washington was kind of changing things and you didn't know where the assistant coach situation was going to go and where the head coach situation was going to go, you know, take a step back and be able to evaluate your options. We know that Minnesota's been pushing. We know that UCLA was pushing. They're not in the mix anymore, he has said. But, I mean, it's a two-team race as far as I can tell. And my gut as we talk on February 1st, so again, if you're listening to this on signing day, February 2nd, his announcement's coming at 11.45 a.m. Eastern time. So you'll want to stay tuned to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for that. But 
my thought, my gut here is just uh, I, I the, and it's I don't know how we're going to answer this question until we hear his announcement. But it's a very simple question to me, Ryan, and we'll roll his highlights here for a sec. But is he going to uh, see enough from Penn State to catapult them ahead of the lead that Washington has had for a significant portion of this recruitment? And does he want to come all the way across the country instead of playing for his in-state uh, school? Those are two questions him and his family have to answer before making a decision. I would be willing to bet, as again, as we talk about this on February 1st, that he knows uh, where he's going to go, and he's going to announce it to the world on February 2nd, the traditional signing day. Penn State doesn't seem to know yet, uh, but again, it's kind of we're, we're doing this early Tuesday morning. I mean, the question we don't know is how much does, does distance impact him? You know, that's the one thing he hasn't really answered uh, right. with us or anybody else, right? So, um, you know, did that flight across the country and, and back home, how much did that impact him? Because you really don't even know the answer to that until he gets home, right? So, well, that's that's what time will tell. I, I, I can't pretend I have a great feel for this one either way. Some people think Washington. Um, I mean, if you made you know, me – I'd be lying you... if I said I knew. If you made me put in an on three uh, recruiting prediction machine selection at this very second, and I'm not going to do that because, like you, I don't have confidence in this in what I'm about to say. Come I'm just on, reading the tea do leaves. It. I'm just reading the tea leaves. But I think you'd ha- until we hear otherwise. I don't know how you don't give Washington the nod in this particular mm-hmm. recruitment. Again, I think if Penn State would have hosted him for an official earlier and they would have had more time to work this recruitment assuming it worked out differently on his end I think they probably would be able to get the job done and they could still get the job done but to your point um, how did he feel and again I think one of the things we forget about and when you read the stories that uh, us and our colleagues write on these recruits no one has ever well very rarely has anyone ever had a bad official or unofficial visit to a campus and my point here is more more so that when they're leaving campus when they're traveling home and doing these interviews Everything's fresh in their mind. All the amazing moments and times they just had for 48 hours on an all-expenses-paid trip at a college football program are at the top of their thought process, and everything's great, and everything's amazing. But then when you get home and a day or two removed from that, whether it's thinking about the travel, whether it's just putting everything in perspective now that you're, in his case, literally thousands of miles away from campus, do you still feel the same way? Do you still have the same thought process that you had before? And a lot of times you don't get that out of guys until they do a commitment interview. And so we'll see how this one plays out. I think – you have to give credit to Penn State for even getting him across the country for an official visit. Uh, let's not forget, UCLA was pushing maybe uh, just as hard to try and get him to take a visit to see them instead. He selected the Lions and Phil Troutwine and James Franklin and everything like that. I think you got to give him cr- tremendous credit. They've been doing a great job so far with focusing on the offensive line and trying to restock that, retool that. This would be a great addition. We're just going to have to wait a few more hours to see if it ends up working out in their favor or not. Enough said. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that. Like I said, man, I think I think Penn State's uh, still waiting for an answer, and I will continue to press to try and get that answer before signing day. But um, you know, as of now, it feels up in the air to me. But yeah, I mean, he he seems like a better fit for Washington, I, I, in my opinion, just from outside looking in. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle. You can find the latest updates on that recruitment, much more about their traditional signing day. And, of course, we'll hear from James Franklin on Wednesday, easy for me to say, all at bluewhiteillustrated.com. There's a look at the homepage as we talk on Tuesday. You can see that $1 for one-year sign-up link. Don't wait. It's not going to be available forever. Visit us, bluewhiteillustrated.com, and sign up to join us today. Ryan, let's move into a little bit of recap work here that we have left to handle from the January contact period a successful one all in all for Penn State and two weeks ago I believe it was I wrote that uh that you know Penn State doesn't typically gain January commitments and they end up with two uh which is certainly not uh, what it's been in most Januaries to in the James Franklin mm-hmm. era at Penn State uh they end up with two though uh two underclassmen picked the lines two offensive linemen uh I know that you talked with T Frank last week about Anthony Donko is that correct Anthony Donko correct yeah, so mm-hmm. we won't belabor the point on him, but Cooper Cousins, really nice pickup for Penn State, an eerie kid who obviously is in the boat of guys we were talking about earlier, and he is a player that said, you know what, I know I want to commit to Penn State, maybe I don't want to do all the bells and whistles and everything else, I just want to get this over with, he chooses the Lions on Saturday, and it's a nice pickup to start the class of 2024. A lot of similarities with Birchmeyer, not necessarily... Um... As a player, I mean, I think Cooper Cousins is going to be good. I think I think Birchmeyer is pretty elite. But a lot of similarities in their mindset of, I just don't want to deal with recruiting. I think Penn State was, you know, Penn State stood out from the front, uh, from from the start, excuse me. And uh, he just wanted to get it over with. And, and just from talking to him, you know, he cares more about progressing as a player and, you know, doing the, uh, you know, the, the workouts and, and whatnot that's just way more important to him than, than taking additional visits. I will say that I, I was a little surprised that he ended it now. And I knew he's been leaning to Penn state for a while. I've had people tell me they're like, Hey, uh, Penn state will definitely accept this commitment now too, to keep that good momentum going, especially on the offensive line. So none of that really surprised me, but I just feel like he's a player who could have got some really good offers and, and he didn't grow up a Penn state fan or anything like that. So it's, it's not, this isn't like a Bo Prabula situation where once he got that offer, that's all he needed. So, you know, I talked to him the other day. I asked him bluntly, you know, were, were you a Penn State fan? And he said no. I mean, just he, he had <laughs> the Michigan shirts and uh, Ohio State hats and, you know, all that kind of stuff growing up. So, you know, just, just a college football fan more than the Penn State fan. Uh, so that, that surprised me a little bit. But, but there's nothing here that really, you know, gives me the impression he's going to be somebody who backs out of this commitment either. He's just a very kind of straightforward kid. Uh, cares about, like I said, his progression as a player and and the things he enjoys in life. And I just didn't get the uh, the impression that going on a bunch of recruiting visits was something that's very high on on his list. So, 
there's some guys that are like that. And then there's some guys that are mm -hmm. exactly the opposite. And I think that it's important to remember that not every uh, kid wants all the wow and glitz and glamour of those recruiting mm -hmm. trips. Some just want to get to work. And it seems like Cooper Cousins is certainly one of them. Penn State's first class of 2024 commit. We'll see where things go from there, obviously, in February. Much like January in most years, there's not a whole lot of action going on. I will say, uh, on let me – I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, Greg. I apologize. Um I, I am really curious to see kind of how he projects uh, and how he keeps growing. You know, we right. have him. So we had him at the longest time at like six, four and a half. And now I confirmed, you know, he's up to six, five and a half. And he's added some good weight too, man. He's up to like 300 pounds now. We had him at like 275. Uh, and that was going back to the season. Now I'm sure, you know, you lose some weight during the season. He was probably somewhere always around like 285. And since then he's, he's climbed up a bit. But, um, you know, we have him as an interior guy. I'm just kind of curious of where, where he plans to be. And uh, T. Frank's going to do a good eval on this. Uh, I know he's kind of trying to figure that out now, and uh, I'll be talking to some people down the road. But the thing with Cooper is, like, he doesn't care. Like, he, he, he said he'll play center, he'll play guard, he'll play tackle. Uh, and, of course, when you're talking about somebody who has two years still still in high school, uh, there's a lot to figure out. And, and I will say, having having being committed – and, and still trying to figure out where you're going to play that there is a perk with that because now he can, he can bounce ideas past Troutwine. Troutwine can look at his film all the time and they can communicate uh, and, and that'll help him sort things out. But just with his size, you know, there, there's some things that think he could be a tackle and there's some things about his game that makes you think he'd be a guard, you know, just kind of that kind of continues that tradition of swing guys. So again, we got two more years though of him growing. So right. by the time, by the time he gets here, he could be six, seven for all I know. Yeah, I was going to say, by the time he gets here, his body and natural growth should sort out his future position. I love the mm -hmm. fact that he can play center, and if he ends up at that position at Penn State in a few years, that's great. And if not, uh, he'll grow into something else. So just mm -hmm. really like this pickup for Penn State. Uh, let's stay on the offensive line track, Ryan. It's a Blue White Illustrated Penn State recruiting podcast. Uh, he's Ryan Schneider. I'm Greg Pickle. Sam Pendleton releases his top five class of 2023 prospect on Tuesday. Uh, NC State in the mix there, Clemson, Michigan, some of the schools uh, on that list as well. Where do you think Penn State stands with him at this point? On Friday of last week, you did a deeper dive on where Penn State's board might stand in the 2023 class. So where does Pendleton fit into that mix? And with the list of schools that are on the table for him, you know, where's Penn State's hat in that regard? Yeah. It's tough to say. Um, you know, he was definitely leaning towards Michigan um, in November and early December. And it's hard for me to think that that has just disappeared. But, you know, then you got the whole Harbaugh dynamic that that makes it kind of difficult to read. I think getting a Clemson offer is a big deal, though. And if I had to put uh, money down on the school right now, it would be Clemson just because that's the school. You know, they the Clemson owns the Carolinas right now and, and they've done a great job there for a long time. And, um, you know, he, he's made it clear for me from the first time we talked. Uh, which is when he came up here for one of those games. I forget which one. You know, he made it clear from the first time that, hey, Clemson is the school who's talking to me, and that's an offer I really want. So, to me, I, I would think that Clemson holds the edge. There was talk about him deciding in February. I'm, I'm still kind of curious to see if he would. I, it would kind of surprise me if he would because I, I feel like he'd be kind of rushing it a little bit if, if, if that was the case. But, uh, to me, I, I would think that Penn State's probably – third if you include Michigan and you know if Harbaugh were to lead maybe they're second in this race but they will take him uh because he, he's he's certainly a center prospect and and they and they would love to get a, a true quality center prospect that uh you know comes in starts at center stays at center kind of guy uh so even with having three commitments on board already for the offensive line uh they they would still add Pendleton but 
to me, man, just getting that getting that Clemson offer was it two weeks ago or or yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, I think that's going to be the difference in this recruitment. So, well, we'll time will tell. Obviously, a very interesting prospect from the state of North Carolina. Penn State, of course, would love to host him uh, prior to a decision, but we'll have to wait and see when that comes. Uh, all right, let's close down this edition of the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. I'm going to add something off the cuff to our rundown here, Ryan. Uh, we'll kick something mm-hmm. else to later episode this month. But a transfer portal offers went out over the weekend. Gabriel and Grayson Murphy, uh, twin defensive linemen from North Texas, uh, we've not had the chance to talk with either one of these guys. I'm not sure they're doing interviews until they make their decision. If they are, I've not seen anything pop up across the internet or with us here at On3. But, you know, my point in bringing this up is more so to kind of point out for the folks that think Penn State is slacking in the transfer portal. Uh, they were one of the first schools to get into this race uh, over mm-hmm. the weekend when those two guys went into the portal. If you go look at their Twitter feeds, everyone's offering both of them. And when I say everyone, it feels like uh, three quarters of the top 75% of the, uh, or top you know 15% rather of the college football world have offered these guys. They're going to be able to go anywhere they want. But you know, Penn State has certainly uh, thrown its hat in the ring quickly uh, to try and make it a reality. We'll see how it plays out i wouldn't be surprised if they stay south but that's the latest on the portal uh in addition to hunter norzad of course finishing off some visits and uh, we'll see what happens next with him you know these guys gabriel and grayson when, when they got out the other day i you know I checked in with someone was like hey are you know are these offers legit just because we've seen a few that weren't uh and my response was the response was yeah hell yeah have you seen these guys so uh obviously i haven't watched a ton of north texas over the years but i did run through some pff numbers you these guys probably are, uh, had a small wager on north texas or its opponent at some point let's uh probably their overs because I think they were a pretty high over team this year, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, as we talk um, about two defensive linemen, uh, we'll just we'll just skip past <laughs> that. Part. <laughs> we'll skip right yeah. past that part. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they just they graded out really well. I'm not saying PFFs everything, but I, I do use that with with portal guys to try and get a feel for uh, you know the the kind of season they just put together. And and both scored basically in the 80s. Um, I believe Grayson was just in the 80s, and Gabriel was like a 79.7. So uh, put it that way. I mean, they. they only like Arnold Nebuchadnezzar would have a better grade than them, um, you right. know, when it comes to Penn State's defensive line this year. So uh, PJ Mustard was on pace, to, to be fair. But uh, both of those grades would, of course, they're playing Conference USA, so it's not very comparable. But um, just can, in if you're just looking at the grade part of it, uh, that, that that would stack up pretty pretty well compared to what Penn State had this past year. So only time will tell. I saw USC offered. I believe that was last night. Uh, West yep. Virginia, UCLA. I mean, you, you named it. There's a bunch of schools showing interest. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if they get up here for a visit. Obviously, these guys. Now, let's just be clear about they this. They can visit. So transfer portal visit. guys can visit. Okay. Yeah, they can visit. They can come up now whenever. I mean, this just had to be. Um, well, actually, with being a yep. dead period, right? But I think they can visit. I got. We're gonna, on that. We're gonna look into that. Yeah. We'll yeah, be, I'll I, check I, on that. Uh, the, the, think, the, and again, so no, you the, know what? I don't think they can because Hunter yeah. Norzad. Why did he squeeze in his visits before right. January twenty eighth? So yeah. I think it's I think it's just ten days before classes start, Correct. which is why they're able to do it. Um, ahead of other prospects, um, you know, in case you want to get in, in but, January, right? But now, with it being a normal dead period, I actually don't think they can. So, yeah, good point on that. I will have to 
triple check and clarify on that. There's so many things with this recruiting, man. There's always yeah. something. Like whenever uh, I think this, I got a good understanding of the rules, I'm missing something. This so. goes back to our conversation earlier. There's so many little nuances and things that schools and coaches and recruits have to deal with. Trying to get everything on one track would certainly alleviate a lot of those concerns, I think. No question. Yeah. Yeah. So we will see. Um, but with Norzad, man, I, I mean – I've been kind of writing off Illinois for a while, and and I have more and more people telling me I shouldn't. So that's probably not a good sign. Uh, there's definitely a belief that, but but he's it's so scattered with him though because if, just depending on who you ask, you know, some people think Iowa, some people think Illinois, some people think Penn State. It just tells me no one really knows. <laughs> so uh, right. you know, he he's been good to you know message with us and keep us in the uh, in the loop for like when he's visiting and things like that. But as far as like actual reactions. Uh, or, or truth, you know, to, to know where those schools stand. No one really knows for that one. I do think Tyler Steen's not going to happen. You know, his brother just getting offered by Virginia. I think that, you know, it was clear his family were trying to get those two to play together and, and Virginia took the bait. So, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he ends up or another school that offered brother. But just the Steen thing, I don't see really happening. So, yeah, we will see. Cam Butler, too. You know, I, I mentioned last week right. with uh, T-Frank. They did visit Cam Butler last week. James Franklin flew out there. I, I don't know exactly uh, which defensive staff. I assume you know Scott was there. Uh, of course, Cam Butler's the the Miami-Ohio prospect defensive end that they're looking at. So uh, there, there seems to be some real interest there. And we'll continue to dig on it, uh, especially once we get past uh, signing day here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely need to add, I would think, at least, at least two more transfers uh, for, for May. Okay. Uh, well, any final thoughts here? Should we cover Anthony Saka quick? Penn State legend, uh, legacy recruit. Love him. Yep. I love him. Uh, I saw him, you know, in, in that St. Joseph's prep, uh, was it, uh, Penn Trafford game uh, for, for the 6A state championship. And he was great. Uh, now, it's, it's so early, man. 2020, 2025. I almost said 2024. It's 2025 recruitment. So, you know, fans are always, I think if I was writing about anybody but Tony Saka's kid, like nobody would care. But of course, because it's a it's a Penn State legacy, I think some fans care. But uh, you know, I, I really watched him closely that night, and and I thought he was one of the best players on the field in that in that championship game. I'm sure you can pull up uh, the full game somewhere online, and um, you know, give him a good look. But lots of size there. I will say, with his size, I don't have his profile in front of me, but I think he's like legit six three. I, I I'd be curious to see uh, if he bumps down to the box down the road. I mean, um, so we have. At um, excuse me, uh, six two and a half, two hundred. I mean, he's a freshman, right? So, right, uh, six four, two twenty five. I mean, like that's not out of question. Uh, you know, with, with uh, as much time as he has left in high school. So, to me, we have him as a safety right now. It feels probably like linebacker might be inevitable there. But yeah. uh, I saw a really smart player, and um, you know, so, somebody who's who's definitely interested in Penn State. Ohio State's already offered. I mean, he's he's got he's got he's going to have a stack list. Notre Dame, of course, too. So it's going to be somebody we're talking about a lot there, and uh, I'm sure Penn State fans will be wanting to learn more about. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned for the latest transfer portal news, uh, traditional signing day updates, and all the other Penn State athletics news you need. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Again, one year, one dollar. You can sign up, join us for an entire year of access for just a buck. Uh, one of the better deals you're going to find, and it won't last forever. So that's at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle, and this has been another edition of the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.